Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I would be doing better, but my mic just doesn't work today. So uh, we're going to have to go no mic for the show. I hope it doesn't sound uh, too bad. It's not bad, but it's not, you know, it's not as good as it usually is. And I also like, I also like hearing myself like echo through that mic. And I don't have that today, which is very annoying. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but I guess, you know, it's like when, when uh, teams wear their throwback jerseys, this is a somewhat throwback episode. Uh, yeah, Michaelis, yeah, this, Michaelis, this, this is low budget ARR. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's for nostalgia when you, when you didn't have a mic uh, two months ago. Yeah. It, it provides that deep nostalgia for, uh, for all the fans. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I've, I, uh, my mic didn't work for a couple episodes without me even knowing. So at least, mm-hmm. at least you uh, have that knowledge of, That's true. Uh, of it not working. Uh, yeah. But um, not too much going on in the baseball world in the past few days since we did our last episode. But luckily we are, you know, reviewing what each team should do uh, at the trade deadline. Last, uh, last episode we did the, uh, NL and AL West, uh, based on you know what they should do today, we are doing the AL and NL Central. So uh, we're gonna get right into it. We're gonna start from bottom to top uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, I mean this is probably the most straightforward team in the division. Uh, the idea is that you are not competitive quite yet, and it's probably time to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead and yeah in terms of what they can sell it's it's a little limited but they do have a couple of good pieces they can trade off the main two are adam frazier and richard rodriguez uh frazier is uh currently on a pretty uh team-friendly deal one year four million dollars he obviously just made the all-star game uh he is under contract until 2023 he is a you know he's he has his third year of arbitration coming up for whoever whoever trades for him uh, and then also Richard Rodriguez, a relief pitcher who just underwent his first year of arbitration. So he'll be a free agent after 2024. Um, you know, his uh, his value is pretty up this season. He's been having an excellent year. And uh, yeah, I mean, those are pretty much, you know, if you're the Pirates, sell off those two pieces. Um, you can keep, you should keep Brian Reynolds. Um, there's no, like, he is not even arbitration eligible next year. He can still make $600,000 unless you want to extend him, which you have to remember which team we're talking about here. But, uh, you know, the Pirates can easily keep Brian Reynolds. They should keep Brian Reynolds. He's under contract uh, until 2026. So there's no reason why you should need to trade him. Right, exactly. Uh, Reynolds, yeah, Reynolds through 
through the end of uh, 2025. So you have four years with him. And also, it says it says he gets four years of arbitration. Is there any particular reason for that? Um, I know. Uh, like not even a pre-arb. It's arb one, arb two, arb three, and arb four, and then free agent. I I forget how players get to be that way, but I know the term super twos uh, is a is a thing. I should look up super twos. Uh, baseball i think it's super twos super two glossary mlb.com uh super two players typically must secure three years of major league service time with one year of service time equaling 172 days on the 25-man roster or the major league injured list this is a little outdated as it's a 25-man roster uh to become eligible for salary arbitration. Super two is a designation that allows a select group of players to become eligible for arbitration before reaching three years of service time. To qualify for the super two designation, players must rank in the top 22% in terms of service time among those who have amassed between two and three years in the majors. Uh, typically this applies to players who have two years and at least 130 days of service time, although the specific cutoff date varies on a year-to-year basis. So it's basically, yeah, guys who uh, were brought up like kind of early in the season but uh, missed missed out on the 172 days of service time that is meant to accumulate a year. Gotcha. Brian Reynolds currently has one, one year and 163 days of service time. So, I mean, towards the end of the season, that'll be obviously a lot more. So yeah. yeah, he's having a great year, but um, probably not someone who you're selling. Like, if you're the Pirates organization, you can't give up on 2025 just no. yet. No. Like, that can't I mean, be how Brian Reynolds is, I mean, he's 26 right now, so he'll be, what, 27, 28, 29, 30. He'll be 31 by 2025. Like, that's, you know, he, that's still part of your peak essentially right like your prime is supposed to be like 27 to 34 basically that's the middle of his of what's supposed to be his prime yeah pretty much yeah so yeah you keep him you obviously keep key brian hayes as well um but the main two pieces to sell off here are for sure adam frazier and um richard rodriguez yeah oh both all-stars right or is richard rodriguez richard rodriguez is not but Um... i mean he is a case yeah, he he definitely like he was uh one of uh one of my how about that's but he's come back to earth but his his ERA is still uh very good. He has a 2.43 ERA and he is 114 uh 13 in save opportunities. I get, you know, when you're on the Pirates you don't get that many save opportunities, but uh that can change if he gets traded. All right. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much cut and dry what the Pirates need to do. Uh, up next, you have a an interesting situation. This team, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, people picked them to be uh, NL Central champions this year, like they were in 2019, but they've underperformed. But uh, they're in a weird situation. The St. Louis Cardinals. What do you got on them? Uh, they're buying. Yeah, I'm just going to put it quite simply. You do not, you do not acquire a superstar caliber player and then immediately sell at the next deadline. Mm-hmm. 
that just doesn't happen, especially when the when the player you just acquired had a rift with his previous organization regarding uh, regarding their approach to winning games, like selling at the deadline, not really showing that they they want to win that much. Uh, you have to. I don't care if you're 1,500 games out. You need to buy if you're the St. Louis Cardinals. I know that they're what like nine, eight or nine games out of the division. Uh, similar amount of games out of a playoff spot in general. They're not in a very good spot, but like I don't care. You need to buy at this deadline, regardless of what that means. Yeah, uh, obviously no reason to sell if you're the Cardinals, because you know I, I feel like this like they're definitely underperforming this year. Maybe they weren't meant to be. Um, maybe they weren't meant to be a, a division champion this year, but they, it can be fixed uh, for next year. If they do, in fact, buy, they cannot get a rental just for 2021. No. That would just be pretty stupid. It would be kind of a waste of prospects based on, you know, I don't know what their division odds are right now. I would imagine it's below 20% right now. Oh, it's, it's like close to 1%, I think. Yeah, it's... Uh, um, let me check that. And we've we've discussed the difference in uh, how you know they're able to perform against above 500 teams and how the Brewers are able to perform against 500 teams. And we'll just say there's a reason why the Brewers are are in that uh, first place spot based on how they do against good teams. Uh, but yeah, no reason to just get a 2021 rental. But if they if they want to get uh, someone for 2022. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that would be a good move. You know, uh, someone like Jose Barrios ha- is under control through 2022. You know, their starting pitching staff isn't um, isn't that deep. You know, you got Flaherty. Uh, you can't rely on Wainwright for too long. He's 39. Yeah, and you know, the, the the other members of that rotation aren't exactly cutting it. So, you know, maybe you get a starter with uh, multiple years of control. It doesn't necessarily have to be Barrios. Um, but, yeah, you you can't, you can't definitely can't sell. And if you buy, uh, you got to have some control with those players. Um, anything anything more on the Cardinals? Um, I just – I'm trying to oh, – first of all, uh, if you're, I think if you're going to get another bat, I'd say make it an outfield bat. They have, uh, they have the 21st highest uh, F4 among outfielders in the majors and only 91 weighted runs created plus. So there's certainly room for improvement out in the outfield in St. Louis. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I'll have to check who would be on the market, but I don't know. How do I find the playoff projections on fan graphs? Um, that's a good question. I thought it'd be uh, in the projections, but I am not seeing it. Yeah. Fan graphs. I can go to baseball. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. I got it. Um, All right, 2021 playoff odds. Uh, the Cardinals' chances of winning the division are currently at 1.1%. Uh, and they are yeah. at a two, they're at a 2% chance to make the playoffs. So, I mean, you know, do with that information what you will. But I still think this team just they – can't, they can't sell at this deadline. Like, there's no way. Yeah. I could realistically, I see the Cardinals being uh, very stagnant, maybe not even making one single move uh, at this deadline uh, potentially. And maybe because the, the Cardinals usually make their 
moves. I mean, at least with Goldschmidt and Arenado, they made their moves in the off season um, when they were kind of prepping for uh, that next year. Is Byron Buxton going to be on the on the market? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, he. I don't think he has that much uh, control left. It's just a matter of how it's, it's kind of a risk if, if you're a team based on his uh, health record. I mean, yeah, he's got this year and, and next year, and then he's a free agent. Right. That's That could be an interesting move uh, that the Twins might want to make. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's something, uh, something the Twins might want to do. It just depends on what his market is because I'm looking at his uh, – stats here 2018 he played 28 games but i think it got sent down to the minors in that year 2019 87 games uh, 2020 39 out of 60 games and then this year 27 out of uh 85 or so games so that might alarm are real but yeah um i mean that's probably if he's on the market that'd probably be the number one outfield on the market mitch hanniger might be there as well uh, you know, we mentioned, I don't know, last show, we don't really know where Mitch Henniger would fit into uh, Seattle's puzzle going forward. So maybe you should get some value for him now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's, I don't know, I feel like that's just about it for outfielders that are on the market. Can you think of any? Yeah, I mean, well, there's uh, obviously a Gallo who's like probably Gallo, the, sure, sure. the biggest but I mean, one. I don't, know. I don't see the Buxton. Cardinals. I don't see the Cardinals making that move. Yeah, n- neither do I. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe you don't get an outfielder because you do have you do have Carlson who's still going to develop. You have O'Neill who's been good, and you have Edmund who's been underperforming. But Edmund can play anywhere, I believe. Right. Um, you have Bader. Um, yep. So I don't know. Maybe like, are the Cardinals relying too much on a a large amount of players to develop? Um, like they are a young team. That's a good right question. Now. And maybe like maybe they just like I feels like it's like they need, you know, a select large group of players to develop to actually uh to go somewhere. Because, you know, Goldschmidt and Arenado can only carry you so far. You know, Dylan Carlson, I trust. He's only twenty two years old. Uh O'Neill's been very good this year, but you know, like Tommy Admin, Paul DeYoung, uh I mean Paul DeYoung has been very has been has struggled a lot this year. He has a 6.29 OPS, and he's also had injury issues. Uh, Tommy Edmond is, I mean, he's basically like a singles hitter. He's hitting 261 with a 671 OPS. That's not very good. Harrison Bader's had injury problems for a while. He has a 711 OPS, 98 OPS plus. Um, you know, it is just it. I feel like there is a bit of a concern with uh, with development in the organization. Uh, yeah, for sure. Cause yeah. And also, a- also you definitely, you probably need to, you definitely need starting pitching as well because Adam Wainwright can only carry the rotation so far, especially in his age 39 season. Uh, John Gand, we've talked enough about and that, you know, that's, we've said what we need to say about him. Uh, Quang Young Kim has been all right, but he's also been hurt. And then Jack Flaherty and, and Jack Flaherty's on the 60 day IL. And then Johan Oviedo is, you know, he's young, he's 23, but he's just not there yet. Um, so, you know what? I think I think a big, bigger priority might be starting pitching for the Cardinals. Right. And there's just – the team in, in general has this spectrum. So there's – you know, Goldschmidt and Arenado are 
the stars there in their like early and Flaherty too, but he's hurt. Yeah, uh, yeah, you got uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt who are in their like late twenties, early thirties. Uh, Flaherty is uh, twenty five, and then it's a it's a lot of kind of older guys like uh, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, uh, Matt Carpenter, and then there's a lot of young guys you're waiting uh, to develop like as you mentioned, Carlson, Edmund, uh, O'Neill, who's doing a good job this year. Um, and you know, a few other guys, but yeah, it's, they're, they're in a weird spot, um, underperforming this year, but we'll see, we'll see what happens with um, St. Louis. Yeah. I um, mean, the starting pitcher market, I feel like is mostly rentals. Like the, the highlighter is Max Serger. Uh, there's no, like, he's a rental. I don't see why the Cardinals should get him. Maybe Jose Barrios, because he's got another year plus. Um, yeah, Barrios and Gibson have control through 2022. You know what I can see? Uh, Chris Flexen has been very good for the Mariners, and he has a lot of control. And I feel like that's a guy that, I mean, he's not, Okay, so he's not necessarily the prototype of, like, a great pitcher nowadays because he has only six strikeouts per nine this year. Uh, he also has nine and a half hits per nine, but 1.8 walks per nine, 0.8 home runs per nine. Um, 85 innings pitched, 36 earned runs for a 380 earned run average. Only a 369, 369 fifth. Um, and, you know, Jerry DePoto is all for making a lot of trades. I could see that as a potential move for the Cardinals, Chris Flexen, maybe that's a guy you go out and get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Depoto's yeah. Not afraid to let go of someone with a lot of control, uh, especially mm-hmm. if they're not like yeah. a super top uh, prospect. So yeah. yeah, maybe that's some, that's something, maybe that's something the uh, Cardinals would be interested in. Potentially. Yeah, and I mean, if you're still looking at a similar type of pitcher, like Merrill Kelly, I'd say uh, he's under control until 2024 or until 2025. So for like this season and then three more after this, uh, he has a 102 career ERA plus. He has a 91 ERA plus this year, but I mean, like, you know, you have to imagine morale is just completely down in that Diamondbacks uh, clubhouse. And maybe he's a guy that could thrive in a different organization uh, that's not losing, you know, 30 out of 33 games. Yeah. Pitch- uh, similar type of pitcher. Only has a four fit with a 460 ERA. Yeah. P- potentially that's something the Cardinals could work out. Yeah. I mean, I think like the starting, like the long-term starting pitcher market is there. And I think the Cardinals need to, need to jump on that. Yeah. They, they can use every arm that they, uh, that they can get based on, you know, where they're at. I mean, yeah. Uh, just looking at the, you know, baseball reference rundown of their rotation. Yeah. It's Wainwright who's 39, uh, Carlos Martinez, who's had a bad year. Uh, John Gant, who obviously you cannot rely on. Uh, Wang Young Kim, who's you know, free 32. agent, I believe. Yeah. He's, he's uh 32. And then, you know, Flaherty is the headliner, but he's hurt. You, yeah. You don't have to worry about him, but yeah, it's, there's a, uh, not much there in the rotation. All right. Um, um, I mean, I'd say one last point. Like, it's interesting. It's cool to see that Adam Wainwright is leading the rotation still, but it's also very concerning because that's where you know something went wrong. Because even if Jack Flaherty's injured, like, Adam Wainwright still shouldn't be the guy leading that rotation. Uh, right. Yeah. 
Because yeah, John, John Gant had good strikeout numbers last year and pretty good walk numbers, I believe. Like, he just turned into a completely different guy uh, this year. Yeah, you would uh... – He had a 219 FIP in 2020. But granted, it was only 15 innings pitched. But, okay, 2019, uh, you know, 66 innings pitched right around where he's at this year. 3.73 uh, FIP, 8.1 strikeouts per nine. 4.6 walks per nine, which still isn't great, but that's still two less walks per nine than he's at now. That's uh, John Gant. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, all right. Do we want to get into their uh, crosstown rivals? Or I mean, yeah. it's technically they're not a crosstown, but there's a, only a river uh, dividing them. That's I true. Uh, yeah, the Chicago Cubs, who, you know, a couple weeks ago, we would have thought maybe these guys are buyers. You know, this is the this is kind of their swan song, where they're, you know, over over overperforming. But then they've lost what eleven out of twelve. You know, they lost ten in a, row. in a row. Yeah, it's uh, been rough, and they're back to below five hundred, I believe. And it looks like they're in a situation where uh, they may want to sell, especially given. Uh, who they have in terms of upcoming free agents. So uh, what do you think about the Chicago Cubs? I think the Cubs are in probably the most interesting spot of any team in baseball because, you know, they could either, they could either go for it and be crazy because really realistically they're only shot. And this is, this pretty much goes for everyone in this division, except for the Brewers. They're only shot. I mean, even the Brewers probably, their only shot of making the playoffs is through through the division. It's hard to imagine anyone from this division coming out as the as one of the two wild cards in the National League, uh, with what's going on in the NL with in the NL West and the possibility for a team in the NL East to break out. Um, it's hard to imagine any of these teams being a wild card. So it's it's pretty easy to assume that only one NL Central team is going to the playoffs, and it's going to be you know obviously whoever wins the division. So the Cubs are, I believe, what, they're like eight and a half or nine games out or something like that? Um, that's a good question. Going to check that. I mean, I would imagine, yeah, they're close to ten games out of the division. They're in a similar spot. Uh, there's, like a big, there's like a big clump between the Reds, Cubs, and Cardinals um, in the division. They're nine and a half out. Yeah. Nine and a half out. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, like this is, I think, I think, I mean, the safe move is obviously to sell, and I think that is what they eventually end up doing. Uh, the following players are are either have free agent, are there either are free agents at the end of the season, or they have options uh, that could be declined and keep them from being on the team in 2022. Anthony Rizzo, Craig Kimbrell, Jock Peterson, Jake Arrieta, Andrew Chafin. Austin Romine, Jake Marisnik, Matt Duffy, Eric Sogard, Ryan DePera, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Zach Davies, Dan Winkler. All those guys likely not going to be uh, in the organization next year. Yeah. And obviously, and- you know, Brian Rizzo and Baez are all free agents at the end of the year. At the end of the year. It's hard to imagine they're going to keep any of them. I don't know. Like, do you really see maybe Rizzo just because – like he's the oldest of the three. Like I don't like. Do you really see the Cubs keeping any of these guys? Yeah, it's an interesting situation because 
this is probably the, you know, out of potential trade targets, these guys are this particular group, like especially Bias, Rizzo, and Bryant. Uh, these guys are the guys that fans are most attached, like their fans are most attached to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the last crop of the uh, of the core in. 2016, you know, who obviously hold a, a special plate in a, a, a special place in, you know, the North Side's hearts. But, you know, logically speaking, they probably should get rid of uh, everybody. And Rizzo, may, perhaps the most likable guy in that group, he's already said that uh, he's not coming back to the Cubs uh, after 2021. Yeah, because he, he said, like, didn't he say, like, he would have signed an extension? Yeah. Not do. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an obvious, like you, uh, you have to trade him because he's not going to come back. It's not like, you know, Bryant, maybe they try to sign in free agency and it would, you know, be a little easier if they kept them, if they kept him same with Baez, but uh, Rizzo, you're definitely not going to have after 2021. So that's probably someone you have to get rid of. And then Kimbrell is probably going to be, one of the more valuable guys on the market, given that he's a reliever. I don't know. So Kimbrell has a vesting option this year, which means that um, like he has an option for 2023 that can only be unlocked if he does some sort of, uh, if he reaches some sort of milestone with his performance this year, I don't know exactly what it is, but he's been doing very well this year. So I'll have to, I want to look up what Craig Kimbrell's vesting option is. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, they have, and he has a 2022 team option, which I guess would be picked up. But I mean, well, that's that's know. what the vesting option is. But I don't know what it is. Uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I mean, the guy's been maybe the vesting option. I don't know. It doesn't say anywhere what the actual thing is. But I mean, granted, they could just trade him too. Right. Yeah, he's been arguably the best closer in baseball, you know, point point five seven ERA, uh, 20 for 22 in save opportunities, 1.12 FIP. Uh, he's been spectacular, and I think he would probably be the most sought-after reliever on the market, and you could probably get some good, uh, you know, at least one good prospect out of that. Okay, hang on. So this is from John Heyman from 2019, where he said, Kimbrell 2022 options vests, with 110 games finished in 2020 through 2021, obviously that's got to be fixed. Uh, seasons with 55 games finished in 2021 and qualified uh, physician concludes player does not have non-temporary injury. Okay, so basically uh, he needs like around the mid-50s in games finished this year. Uh, and then, I mean, that seems – that looks pretty good right now. I wonder where he's at currently. Um, so, I mean – for 2020, I guess you would have to multiply it by 2.7. Probably. Um, but he was also pretty bad. Um, so, he, yeah, he had. He has 29 games finished this year. So he's about halfway there, and it's about halfway through the season. Uh, when you multiply his games finished uh, by 2.7 from last year in 2020, it's 29.7. So I don't know if it's uh, realistic given his 2020. But I think, no, I think there was two different options where it was like, you can do this in 2020 and 2021, or you could just do this in 2021. I think that's what it is. Oh, okay. What was the 2021? Uh, I, believe it was, I believe it was 55 games finished. 
Oh, okay. Uh, and he's at 29 right now. Yeah, so the Cubs have played 88 games. 20, 29 divided by 88 times 162. He's on pace for 53. Oh, interesting. Uh, but if but you know what? If he goes to a contending team, like that could put him over the top. Um, by the way, Kimball's ERA plus this year, 698. Yeah. <laughs> a joke. It's crazy. Uh, so yeah, he's one of the one of the guys on the market. And then yeah, you have uh Bryant and Baez outside of you know Rizzo and Kimbrel. You have Bryant and Baez. Uh Bryant, I you know, he's been struggling hard ever since of like the beginning of June, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So his trade value probably has gone it's been significantly where it was last offseason where they were making rumors about it. Yeah. Uh, Baez, you know, Baez has been kind of treading water the whole year. I think you could get whoever maybe misses out on story might try to get uh, Javier Baez. Yep. That's something to look at. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it would be a huge transition if the Cubs, you know, went all in and sold all those guys, but uh, it might be necessary to do for the purpose of the organization. Yeah, uh, this is, I feel like these last two weeks since the combined no hitter have been like sort of a slap in the face with reality where it's like, you know, this team is, is going to look a lot different next year. Uh, you know, this might be a sign to start taking action now and not make a decision that you might regret later on. Right. Yeah. Maybe this, uh, begins the uh, rebuilding process uh, on the north side. Uh, All right. Uh, Now to the Cincinnati Reds, which who are uh, also in an interesting spot. They're second in the division. They're still, uh, I would imagine, like seven games out. Uh, But they've been doing okay, but they're kind of in a weird stagnant state. Uh, what, What do you got on them? Yeah, um, I mean, I think they are in a very weird state. Their only free agents coming up are Sean Doolittle and Michael Lorenzen. Um, so obviously, two people have kind of been. I think that you know they've been both been in the bullpen, but they've. I don't think they've been doing very well. Doolittle's you know going to be thirty-five next year, so um, you know that's something you're going to want to consider. Obviously, yeah. Um... That, yeah, that is something you want to consider. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what the Reds should do. Uh, I feel like the Reds are in a similar spot to the Cardinals, where if they want to buy, I'm not going to be against it, but they should look towards people with 22, uh, you know, guaranteed salaries as well. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think no rentals. I think if they go after anything specifically, you got to get uh, bullpen help. You know, they're second. Mm-hmm. second to last in bullpen ERA. The only team below them is the Rockies, at least as of yesterday, maybe that changed, but I can't imagine it did. And not to, not to mention, not to mention uh, Lucas Sims and TJ Antone are both on the IL right now. Right. And Amir Garrett has not been what you would expect him to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, maybe get a reliever or two with, 
multiple years of control left on their uh, uh, left on them. Uh, I think I think that's what that's all you really can do. Uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good options within the division. Like we just mentioned, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I don't know if they do that, but you know, Richard Rodriguez is available. Uh, there's plenty of guys in the Cubs bullpen that are available. Andrew Chafin and Ryan Tapera are both guys that either are free agents next year or have options. So maybe those might not be the guys, but I mean, you know, if you want to make your bullpen better for the time being, uh, they're right there and you could probably just re-sign them because I can't imagine they've had, they'd have too much value. Um, yep. You know, I mean, there's a lot of interesting relievers. Um, Steve Ciszek with the Angels has a three ERA with a 301 XERA. Uh, the only thing is he just hasn't given up a home run, which is, uh, which is actually very good, but uh, that, that gives him a 484 expected fit. <laughs> of course, there's a lot of interesting relievers out there that uh, I feel like they could look towards. Yeah, very much so. Um, and yeah, I don't think anything's really off the table. Any, any non-competitive team who just has a decent reliever, and they all at least have one decent yeah. reliever can just, you know, give that up for, and the price, the asking price wouldn't be too much, I would imagine, uh, if you're the Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's Cincinnati. They're kind of in a, in a state where, yeah, probably not going to do anything this year, uh, but maybe, maybe could gear up for uh, 2022. Not that they've been bad, but I think that, likelihood of them getting into the playoffs is uh low uh, i think we would both agree I do too. On that. But i mean yeah this team is a bullpen away like they have a very good offense they have pretty good starting pitching you know they have you know if they can stay healthy they got luis castillo who's obviously you know he's had his struggles this year but he's been pretty unlucky sonny gray's been hurt tyler molly's been very good um they are it does seem like they're a bullpen away especially in a relatively weak division uh this is a team that is a bullpen away from going all in really yeah, uh, yeah, I, I probably would agree with that. I mean, they were able to make some noise. I mean, I guess it was expanded playoffs, but they were able to make some noise in 2020 with a, a mediocre bullpen. So if mm-hmm. they are able to uh, add add to that uh, add to that pen, maybe we could see something. Uh, the division leading Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, what do you got? What do you got for them? I mean, this is pretty easy. Uh, a bat. They, they need a bat really bad. Uh, their offense uh, on the year is still pretty subpar. Um, trying to find where they rank as far as like uh, they're 13th in F4, which is not bad, but they also have a 90 weighted runs created plus, uh, yeah. which, I mean, you know, you can't, they're just 21st in the league. You can't go into the playoffs with a team weighted runs created plus of 90. Yeah, that would be tough. That would that be tough. Just, that, that can't happen. Uh, Willie Adamas has been an excellent trade for them. Um, but, you know, they need they need more. Pretty yeah, obvious. I th- you, you mentioned uh, when I did him as a, as a how about that a couple episodes ago, you uh, mentioned that maybe the Brewers should go after someone like Joey Gallo. Yeah, I did mention that. Yeah. Uh, and- I don't know if they will, but it'd be interesting. Um, you know, they have a couple guys who have done well for them. I'd say that the, like, I, who do you really see? I mean, 
I think the main point is like, who do you really see in that Brewers lineup right now? Where you're like, where you're like, oh shoot, it's that guy. Like we got to be careful. Yeah, it's really nobody. Like, who really like? I mean, I guess by default it's Yelich by his past, but he hasn't really been that guy since 2019. Since he got since he got that injury, like he was okay in 2020, and he's kind of okay in 2021 as well. Um, yeah. I mean, the team that you know Colton Wong also just went down with an injury, so that's pretty difficult for them. Um, yeah, like this team just uh, Daniel Vogelbach also just went down with an injury. Um, yeah, it's I mean it's simple. This team they've been relying on breakouts from guys like Jace Peterson uh, to stay afloat. Guys like Omar Narvaez with a you know a mid nines OPS. Um, yeah, they just they just got Rowdy Telez as well, which is kind of just. You know, that's the replacement for Daniel Vogelbach, really, when you think about it. Yeah, he's yeah, he's just yeah, the left-handed first base bat. And yeah. the blue, like just the power bat, the, the exclusive power bat who will hit like two hundred, like two fifty, and then four hundred with a six fifty OPS. Right. Yeah. Um I think uh yeah, I think Gallo probably is the number one target. Uh potentially you look at uh, you see, someone... I don't see that being realistic though. Like I don't know. I see them as more of like a Nelson Cruz type team where it's like not as much value, but same idea. Yeah, but I mean, where are you going to put them? You're going to have to throw them in the outfield. I, and I then here's Cruz what you do in playoff games. In playoff games, you put, you put Nelson Cruz in like right. Uh, and then you put Jackie Bradley Jr. in right for the last three innings of the game. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Try Give uh, Cruz a first baseman's mitt and see what happens. That's, I guess. I don't know. I I feel like they should just. Uh, I, I mean, listen, know, Milwaukee yeah. has shown in the past that they don't care about defensive positioning. Like they had what Travis Shaw, Mike Moustakis. And, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like remember when they had like Mike Moustakis playing second? Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> and then he kind of became a decent second baseman and he still. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I, yeah, Gallo, like take a look at him, but I don't know. Yeah. We, we don't know how realistic that is. CJ Crone um, potentially. I don't know if they're looking for a right-handed bat, uh, for, as a, uh, as a first baseman, I don't know if they're looking, you know, for a guy that's right-handed, but he would be probably an upgrade over someone like Rowdy Telez. Uh, he's having a pretty good year. Um, so yeah. And I'm trying to think of any other, bats on the market i mean i don't think they would do it because it's interdivisional but uh anthony rizzo i don't i don't think that would, they would happen, never but, they would never but yeah you can't do that <laughs> but uh if he was on another team that would probably be a uh, another option um and i also uh what i put down is every team can use like an extra reliever or two uh, i think potentially you know they're they have a decent bullpen. I looked uh, as of yesterday, their bullpen ERA ranked 10th in the MLB, which is pretty good, but you know, they could, uh, you know, add, add upon that. Um, you can never have too many relievers and it doesn't even have to be like a, like an ACE reliever, like a closer, right. like a lockdown. Like it could just be someone who can, you know, shut the door for you like every now and then. Yeah. Someone to use in the seventh inning or, or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah. That does it for the National League Central. We go now to the American League Central. Uh, this team has been 
mentioned multiple times previously because of what they have to offer uh the minnesota twins uh yeah i mean what what a disaster <laughs> this team has been uh i mean you trade nelson cruz Maybe you trade Jose Barrios. Maybe you trade Taylor Rogers. Maybe you trade Byron. Taylor Rogers, the guy we haven't even mentioned. That guy uh, should be on a lot of teams' radars. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if you trade Buxton. I think. I think realistically, you keep him with uh, the injury stuff because this team still. I mean, like the. You know, sort of opposite to what we or like we mentioned with the Reds, like they still have a very good offense. There's the pitching is blown up in their face this year. And that's been the reason why they've been underperforming as much as they have been. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's been the issue that they were at the, the twins pitching was actually a slightly alarming of mine Yeah, uh, way back, like in May and it's continued, uh, hasn't gotten any better. Yeah. Uh, the three guys I put down is were uh, Barrios Cruz and uh, Taylor Rogers. Yeah. Taylor Rogers, uh, just, breakdown of him he's got a 245 era he's uh eight for ten in save opportunities but i would imagine he's not in the ninth all the time he's kind of sharing that role with hansel robles for whatever reason uh but yeah 245 era 203 fip 12 and a half strikeouts per nine 1.7 walks per nine yeah over his strikeout to walk ratio is over seven like he's very valuable uh, in that market. And uh, he, d- he doesn't have a crazy amount of control left. Yeah. He's this year and next year for, in terms of uh, control. So he's someone a team can use a lefty arm uh, that can uh, shut the door, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Cruz is an obvious, you know, he, he, he only signed a one-year contract and Barrios uh, is under control this year and next year. And, could bring a lot of value back. Uh, um, other guy, another guy I'm thinking is Michael Pineda. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who you probably trade. He's going. He's in his age 32 season right now. Um, he's he's got two year. He's got a year and a half basically left on his deal. He's a free agent after 2022. Uh, this year he's been all right. 411 ERA, uh, 445 FIP. Uh, 220 walks per nine, just very high home run rate, uh, which in theory could go down. And then 8.7 strikeouts per nine, which is actually pretty excellent uh, considering, I guess, what most people would expect from him. He's had had very consistent strikeout numbers uh, since 2017, although they are just a bit down this year. Since 2017, his strikeouts per nine have gone from 860 to 863 to 844 to 807. Uh, But it's still not that bad. his ground ball rate is, has stayed right around the mid-30s since 2019, uh, but his home run to fly ball ratio uh, has been not in his favor, 14.7% this year, uh, suggesting that, you know, maybe he could be a little bit luckier with that. That's a team that, if a team needs like a, a three or four starter, I'd say, Michael Pineda would be a decent name to get. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, what team, like, I don't know, what's the team that needs rotation depth? Uh, depth? I mean, uh, I don't think it would be the Red Sox. They have a good amount of starters. And they have a bit of a history against Pineda. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe, like, what about, like, Toronto? 
Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Toronto can use a guy like him. That could sure. be that's a team that just desperately needs starting pitching. Maybe the Angels. Right. The um, I think the one thing that might uh change the narrative with the twins at the deadline is if they think, you know, this year is a fluke year, we can still compete in 2022. So we're gonna keep uh Barrios and Rogers and maybe try to plan on re-signing Cruz after after year's end. I think maybe that gets in the way. It's just, I think it it's a matter of how the front office views this franchise because, you know, everyone planned on them being a contender this year. I had a win in the division. Uh, hand yeah. up. I had it. Yeah. So that's something that can get in the way on them selling, which I would kind of understand. But, I mean, the White Sox are set up to dominate the AL Central for for years. Uh, it's just, you know, how far will the Twins go to maybe build a 2022 team, like a solid 2022 team. Uh, but maybe they don't. Maybe they, they sell like uh, everyone is saying they will. I mean, like all the sources are saying like Barrios is one of the top uh, trade targets. So if, if it's getting around, it, they're probably going to sell. Uh, anything more on the Twins? Um, not necessarily. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of going up and down the roster here, you know. I think the guys who you consider trading, we've already mentioned. Right. Yep. Uh, is uh, anything maybe like also Alex Colome? He's got a he's got a mutual option for 2022. Uh, which means he's got I think two more years. Or no, right. he's, there's a 2022 mutual option, which probably won't get picked up with the way he's been performing this year. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe as a team, if you're a team that needs bullpen help desperately, you look at his past and you're like, hey, this guy's been good recently, just not this year on a club that just hasn't been good this year. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, don't his, know. his ERA is going down a little bit since I had him as a slightly alarming, but I don't know. Like, eh, I don't, nothing, nothing too crazy. Mm. He's, it's a 499 ERA. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think they would get that much for him, but they could uh, end up trading him. All right. The uh, Kansas City Royals, uh, they're in an interesting spot. I don't know how many assets they have to sell. Where do you have, what do you have them doing? That is a good question. What do I have them doing? Because they were my sleeper team at the beginning of the year. They started out hot, but they've been just completely tanking ever since. Um, I mean, I'd say the one untouchable is probably Salvador Perez. I mean, you just you just extended him, and I don't know how many teams are going to take a take a five year, eighty two million dollar contract on him. Right. Or however much that was. Um, Four year maybe no it's four it was four year eighty two mil yeah that's not no one would take that um mm-hmm. you know people have been saying trade Whit Merrifield for a while um he's thirty three now so maybe maybe the time is right yeah potentially I don't know I just don't know I feel like they wait for an off season to do that like I don't think they just do that abruptly because he is kind of the face of their I mean I guess besides Perez like he's the best player they have. You know, he's been a sign of the future for a while, but realistically, um, I think it's time to move on from that. I don't really see them competing 
anytime particularly soon. Because even when I had them as a sleeper team, I said, like, you know, this team could finish 500 and show signs that they're, they're you know, they're close. But that just hasn't happened this year. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, this is a difficult team to really break down. I'd say just, like, you know, you have guys like Mike Miner and Carlos Santana who maybe you just, like, let go of for whatever you can get, probably not much. Um, that's about yeah. all I can really think of. Yeah, Merrifield, uh, Merrifield is under control through 2023, so you can get some good value out of him, and he's cheap also. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would have, you know, high trade value. Uh, so potentially that's something that could happen, but I don't see it ha- like you, I don't see it happening at this particular trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was think I think Carlos Santana might be a good trade option to someone who needs maybe first base help or, uh, a, a, you know, help with the bat. Maybe that could be a Brewers trade. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's someone that they could look at. Uh, he's got, um, I don't have it straight up, but he's got like an upper 700s OPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, pretty good, pretty good uh, bat to have. So, and yeah, I, mean, I can I see, like, I can see I him going to a national team. Were like really going for it in 2018. Like their big move at the deadline, or well, one of their moves was like, hey, let's bring in a 36 year old Curtis Granderson. So, I mean, you know, I don't think the age is something that they'll, they'll shy away from uh, with Santana. Yeah, I think. Uh, he could potentially be someone traded to a national league team and be like a platoon. You know, he'll be a first baseman. Some days he'll be a pinch hitter other days. And you know, your first option off the bench. Uh, That's what I could see him being. Uh, He's got control through 2022. So it wouldn't be a complete rental. Um, And I don't see the Royals like trying to be competitive for 2022. So they, they can uh, trade him off potentially. Uh, anything more on the Royals? I don't know. That's kind of brief. I mean, I guess they have Greg Holland and Wave Davis for anyone who really wants to take that chance. Um, if yeah. anyone wants to win the 2015 World Series. Yeah, exactly. Uh, see see what happens. Yeah. Or, or 2014, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, could, uh, we could see. All right. Uh, on to the Tigers. Um there's a couple names I see, you know, guys getting a couple names I could see being traded. What do you got? Well, I mean, why don't you go first if you see these names? Uh, I th- I'm thinking they can uh, get something out of Jonathan Scope and Robbie Grossman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Scope is uh, only under control through this year. Uh, maybe that's not true. Maybe it's this year and next year. No, he's it's this year. It's this year and next year. Yeah. Uh, Grossman is under control through this year and next year as well, but you know, you're not trying. Wait, I no, think, I don't think he is. No, I think he's just under control for 2021. Um, but, uh, either way, I think they send a one-year deal. They particularly signed, uh, these types of guys so that they could potentially get something out of them at a trade deadline. So, uh, I think you just kind of have to do what you can with them. Yeah, um, Scope has been actually doing very well for them this year under a one-year deal. He's been playing first base, uh, which is interesting because he's not, you know, he's never really been a first baseman. Um, trying to look, I mean, as far like I think of him as a second baseman, and 
a team that's been struggling at second base individually is the New York Mets. Maybe that I feel like that could be a that seems like a fit. Jonathan Scope to the Mets. Yep. Yeah. Um, Maybe Cleveland. Eh, I don't know if they trade him in division, but I don't know what Cleveland's doing. We'll talk about them later. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see Jonathan Scope to the Mets. Uh, as far as Robbie Grossman goes, um, he is he's like a he's like a potential Carlos Santana of the month award winner. He's got a very high walk rate. Yep. Uh, so which teams, which teams are lacking uh, guys who get on base? Yeah. That he's would be, would he's someone you can put somewhat near the top of the lineup if you want. I mean, he's got speed. He's got 10 stolen bases also. So he's someone that can be put uh, at the top of a lineup. Yeah. You got to think who's someone, who's a team that's in need of not necessarily a, a power bat, but, you know, someone that can just produce well uh, uh, offensively in the outfield. I mean, I'm looking – I mean, this team has a decent enough outfield, but the Red Sox have the – have are tied for the lowest walk rate in the majors, and Robbie Grossman has one of the best walk rates in the majors. Uh, so if they want to – if they want to, you know, put in a guy who uh, sort of, you know, produces something that most of the team is, hasn't been producing, uh, that might be a guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you know, their outfield varies a good amount, but I think he would be an upgrade for sure over Danny Santana or Marwin Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Yeah. That might be a good move. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I think, you know, as Red Sox fans, I think we would appreciate something like that. You know, they're, you know, I guess their outfield has been somewhat uh, outperforming expectations, but there are particular individuals who just have not been bringing it but it's you know the outfielders that have been doing good are you know alex verdugo and hunter renfro but i think you need a third guy like grossman and uh, if you put really if you put that. grossman there you can fix the second base issue by just putting kike hernandez there uh you know for the rest of the season oh yeah and i forgot about kike kike has been doing yeah i mean if well. you could have you could have like grossman in left verdugo in center renfro in right and then you know left or right in the infield uh, Devers, Bogarts, Kike, Dahlbeck. Yeah. You know, that could be, that could be a very viable option for the Red Sox. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Cause when, when Kike is not at second, it's usually, you know, Marwin Gonzalez, who's, you know, good defensively, but not really producing offensively at all. Uh, and then, you know, maybe Michael Chavis is up. Oh, or, uh, Christian Arroyo, I guess. Mm-hmm. Christian Arroyo has been nice, but um, you know, I think, yeah, Grossman would be nice to have, uh, on the Red Sox from a fan, from a fan's perspective. Uh, but yeah, scope, yeah, scope can be, you know, traded to someone who's, who has kind of a second base hole, like the Mets, uh, maybe even, I don't know, the, the Giants, maybe I'm not sure. That is true. Tommy LaStella, uh, was supposed to be their second baseman. He's been hurt. I could see that. Yeah, and Donovan Solano hasn't been mm-hmm. what he was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about that a tiny bit. Um, and, yeah, that's mostly, you know, the second-base suitors uh, in the league that I can think of. Uh, so, yeah, that's the Tigers, the Cleveland Indians. I, I have no idea what they're going to do. I have absolutely zero clue. I mean, knowing them, they'll probably just – 
I don't know, they'll probably trade Shane Bieber, which <laughs> that's sarcastic. They won't actually do that. Wow, they have they have five players with guaranteed salaries this year. That is insane. Who yeah, who are they? Eddie Rosario, Roberto Perez, Jose Ramirez, Cesar Hernandez, and Brian Shaw. That is very sad for a team that is trying to compete. I mean, they have yeah, their players that are not yet eligible for arbitration are Shane Bieber, Franmil Reyes, uh, Zach Plezak, Aaron Savali, James Karinchak. Like they have a lot of good names there, um, but obviously most of them are going to be you know in arbitration next year. In particularly, you know Bieber, uh, Reyes, Jordan Luplo. Um, uh, luckily, uh, I think Plezak, Savali, and Karinchak will still be pre-arb. Luckily for them, because they are allergic to pl- to paying players. Um, all right. Wow. Yeah. This team, I mean, stop me if you've ever heard this before, but, uh, their biggest struggle has been the outfield. Yep. It is. How does this keep happening? Like every single year we are having this conversation about the Cleveland outfield. Right. Exactly. Like friend Mio Reyes is more of a DH and he's also been hurt this year. Eddie Rosario was a slightly alarming of yours. He got hurt. Um, yeah, I mean, like what? Like, I don't know, maybe that's another team that could look towards Robbie Grossman, but they're, I mean, they've lost nine in a row. They just got combined no hit by the Rays in a seven inning game. Uh, the, the third game of their season where they've had zero hits. Um, like, I don't know. Like, what do you really see this team doing? Because it's, it's becoming more and more every day like it seems more and more every day like the white Sox are going to be a lock in that division and that the indians are likely not going to make the playoffs um yeah i don't know i really don't know cleveland they're in they're in baseball limbo i would say they're not competing yeah they're they're not competing they're not not competing i guess you know i mean when you trade a francisco Lindor, you know your your franchise piece that's most most teams that do that are in non-competitive situations, but I mean, they're one game above 500. Exactly. They're in purgatory. And mm-hmm. I mean, I have no idea what they can do. I mean, it's, it's weird. I mean, I, I kind of just want to move on. I, I, it's weird. I don't know. Um, yeah. Like this, this could be the one team that like, just, just does nothing. And I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't see much happening there. Uh, all right. Do we? Let's I don't go know. To... I mean, I, we, should, we should try throwing around stuff for the Indians. Like, I feel like we can't just be like, oh, they're going to do nothing and then move on. Because I don't know. I mean, outfield is obviously their biggest need if they want to compete. Um, I mean, what do you really see them doing there? Like, what outfielders are on the market that you could see the Indians picking up because it's not going to be, it's not going to be high profile guys. Right. Yeah. It would be a Grossman type. Mm. I mean, I'm trying to think of who we've talked about already. Um, but like who's in the, what are some like Paul Calhoun? Uh, yeah. Is, is he still in Arizona? He plays, he's played 13 games this year. Well, like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the Mets are good, and I'm not Kevin Pillar, but, like, um, 
this it's just like yeah i mean i don't know i really like i got nothing this is the one team like where i straight up have nothing maybe like Corey dickerson right uh yeah I, yeah he, him out of miami him, yeah he's, he's been he like, under control he's through been undervalued through the entirety of his career i can see that's a perfect fit for cleveland right yeah i mean i feel like if whenever whenever cleveland acquires an outfielder they're just not they're just going to underperform like um, like uh, Eddie Rosario did this year. Yeah. This is it is very weird that I just have nothing. Um who did you mention who did you mention for outfield uh yeah, Corey Dickerson. Dickerson, yeah. What's he been doing this year? I think year? he has a 100 I think he has a 100 weighted runs created plus. Yeah, he's got a a 93 OPS plus a 699 OPS. Uh yeah, I mean, maybe he would uh fit there. I'm not sure. Uh, do we want to move on to the White Sox? Yeah, we did something. Let's just move on to the White yeah. Sox. Yeah, it's weird. This um, team, this team has been plagued by injuries. Uh, yes. This year, so that's been like Yasmani Grandal just went down. Uh, you know, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal, all of them are down with injuries. Aaron Bummer is down with an injury. Uh, Evan Marshall is down with an injury. Um, as far as future free agents go, uh, Lance Lynn is a free agent next year. Carlos Rodon is a free agent next year. That's wow. That guy is going to get himself paid after, after making one year in three mil in 2021. Good for him. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I obviously they're not going to extend Rodon now, but yeah, they might want to look to resign with the way like he's in the side, like he's probably the Cy Young favorite right now. Uh, Right, yeah, potentially. Uh, crazy. I think uh, the White Sox, I mean, like any team, they can use an extra starter and an extra reliever. I think they really should pursue one of the top uh, starters. Max Scherzer, yeah. Yeah. Cause, like that's the team that should. Because, I mean, imagine uh, going into a best of seven series, you got, um, you could have, you know, Lynn, uh, you know, Giolito, Rodon, or Lynn, Rodon, Giolito, and then, you know, or before that, you can have someone like Scherzer or mm-hmm. even someone who's not necessarily the ace, but like Kyle Gibson or Jose Barrios. But I don't know if interdivisional, I could mess. I don't, I don't know if the Barrios uh, deal is going to happen. I mean, the White Sox are a team that, like, they can go for it this year and still be fine going into next year because, I mean, you know, they still have a, a, an embarrassment of riches. They have a lot of great players that they could probably keep while uh, got, getting guys like Serger. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, is, uh, he started his rehab assignment yesterday, so he's coming back soon. Uh, hopefully, Luis Roberts should be back by October. And then uh, Abreu's got to pick it up a little bit, and that's fine. You know, people go through slumps. Uh, but this team, on paper, you know, I know we've talked about our concerns with how they play against teams that aren't the weaker uh, teams in their division. But, you know, they're a team that I think, ha- on paper, they should be able to make noise in the playoffs. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, do you know – when what if like uh Eloy Jimenez has a timetable right now 
I don't believe so, but I mean, he started like if he started his rehab assignment, let's say in like middle of August, maybe. Yeah, because uh, I'm wondering, because they, and I hate to attach his name to like too many teams, but you know the White Sox outfield this year has been mostly uh, guys that have good defense, um, but you know not like any power bats there right now, especially with the absence of Robert and Jimenez. Um, maybe they look at someone like Joey Gallo uh, to bring power to that outfield. Um, Cause they're like, even though they've had a decent offense, I, I guess because of their injuries, their offense has been a little underwhelming. I mean, they've been hurt. I mean, okay, um, yeah. can I read you their lineup from, uh, from Wednesday? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So they had Tim Anderson leading off. They had Gavin Sheets batting second, Jose Abreu third, Brian Goodwin fourth, Adam Engel fifth, Leori Garcia sixth, Jake Berger seventh, Billy Hamilton eighth, and Sebi Zavala ninth. That was their lineup. Uh, In a game that they won, credit to them, they did win that game six to one, but I mean – you know, you take a look at how much this offense has just been decimated by injuries. Uh, and it's not really, you know, I feel like, you know, looking at the offense saying they've been underperforming, like that's more due to injuries than it is actual performance. Right, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it kind of depends on when they see Jimenez coming back. But mm-hmm. if Jimenez is unable to make an impact uh, by maybe September – um, maybe you look at someone like uh, Joey Gallo, but I have no idea yeah, where he's going like go. a Mitch Haniger. It doesn't even have to be that big name. Like or, I think Haniger could fit into that lineup. Yeah, Haniger's got like 18 home runs in the year, or something like that. Yeah, he's, he's been slumping a little bit lately, but yeah, uh, he's been good. Yeah, he's he could be a power bat uh, in that outfield. So certainly. Um, yeah, and it, yeah, I think they should go after a high profile starter as well and then um a reliever i think they should go pretty all in uh at the trade deadline given their health and other things <clears throat> all right uh I, th- I think that does it for uh yeah. I-, I mean anything more on the white Sox? nothing that i got i mean hopefully you know speedy recoveries to jimenez grandal uh robert you know these guys that and i know that you know magical as well but i don't think he's going to be coming back this season so yep yeah you kind of have to wait uh on this all right so that leads us into uh you know the the part we've most prepared for the how about that and slightly alarming statistics our players to highlight so now for our uh friday july 9th 2021 edition of um who do you have to highlight for us today i got uh a guy who has come from a team that has you know been a sort of a story this year not for the best reasons but elias diaz from the colorado rockies has been very good lately he is slashing 300 380 614 with a 994 OPS since June 3rd. And out of 249 players with at least 70 plate appearances since then, Diaz is the only player that has a top 27 OPS and a higher walk rate than strikeout rate over that time. 
Uh, and, you know, something like this was kind of due to happen to a guy like Elias Diaz because on the season, he has a 205 batting average with a 257 expected batting average, a 384 slugging with a 354 expected or 454 expected slugging, and a 290 Woba with a 339 expected Woba. And out of the 318 players that have seen at least 500 pitches this season, Diaz has the fifth unluckiest difference between batting average and expecting the expected batting average. So, uh, you know, Elias Diaz, he's been hitting the ball really well lately, and it feels like something like that was kind of due. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Elias Diaz. How about that? Um, my how about that is uh, someone you actually mentioned uh, previously just as a, as a name uh, because he has been doing particularly well. Uh, Jace Peterson. I don't have much on him other than the fact uh, that in his last 15 games, he is hitting 390 with a 1225 OPS. Uh, also, since June 23rd, which is when this span began, uh, his weighted runs created plus ranks fourth in all of baseball behind Joey Gallo, Shohei Otani, and Trey Turner. So he's in very good company and uh, slightly ahead of Fernando Tatis Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jordan Alvarez, Manny Machado. Uh, he's in uh, he's in good company in the last 15 games. And also, I think what's the most astounding here with Jace Peterson is before the span, his strikeout rate was 30.4%. In this span, in this 15-game span where he's doing very well, his strikeout rate is 7.4%. He's just not striking out. Like, it, it, there had to be some sort of adjustment there. Uh, like, his, yes, from 30.4% to 7.4%. Uh, that is major. That's crazy. Usually, you know, even if a guy has a high, uh, hot streak, the strikeout rate remains in the same ballpark not the case here so uh potentially you know there is a an adjustment made and you know jace peterson is having a much better time making contact so good for him so jace peter jace peterson How about that? yeah i did mention him when i was like you know the brewers they've been relying on guys like jace peterson to break out and he has been to your credit i mean you you nailed it there yeah it's been uh, pretty wild to see uh not someone you would expect. Uh, all right. And now we go from the highs to the lows, where we're talking about players or subjects that have been underperforming. So for our Friday, July 9th, 2021 edition of... A slightly alarming. Who do you got for us today? I am looking at someone who I used last year as a how about that. Uh, someone who's in a pretty key spot in his career. And uh, Michael Conforto is has been struggling a lot lately. Uh he got back from the injured list about a few weeks ago. And since June 25th, uh, he is slashing 079, 250, 079, 329. He's three for 38. Uh, he's three for his last 38 with three singles since June 25th. And since June 25th, that 079 batting average and that 079 slugging are both the worst in the majors over that time. Uh, and one of the pretty concerning things is his regression against fastballs. In 2020, he hit 327 against fastballs with a 564 slugging. And this year he is uh, hitting 148 on fastballs with a 198 slugging. And he also has a 167 slugging against four-seam fastballs particularly. Uh, and that 167 slugging is fourth lowest 
among 564 players to have at least 50 plate appearances on any specific pitch. Uh, yeah, it's been that bad. And I, this, the expected statistics uh, do favor him a lot with fastballs. He's been getting particularly unlucky, but Michael Conforto is a free agent after this year. And, you know, luckily he is a Boris guy. So Scott Boris will be looking at all these expected statistics, but he's certainly not helping his case with what's actually happening on the field uh, against fastballs and just all year, uh, particularly since his return from the IL with a hamstring injury. Yeah. Uh, Michael Conforto. Slightly alarming. Uh, yeah. He's someone who, you know, was kind of a, part of what the, what people saw is like the Mets future a, a few years ago mm-hmm. and uh yeah underperforming this year particularly uh my slightly alarming I mean people don't really you know he's people don't really uh look at him you know as you know he's not always a an offensive prowess you know he's he's definitely more known for his uh for his defense uh i'm a fan of him but you know even as someone who is not known for his offense his offense has been particularly bad uh as of late and there's some reasons behind that i'm looking at andrelton simmons uh you know the just the wins of overplace the baseball reference wins of replacement accumulator uh he's just you know he's still been he's still in the hundredth percentile in outs above average that's a defensive stat so he's still been like the best defender in baseball but uh his offense has been particularly lacking uh this year so in his last 24 games he is hitting at 175 with a 470 ops uh in this span of 24 games he ranks last in weighted runs created plus also in this span his hard hit rate is only 18.1 percent league average is around 35 so that is very, very far off. And overall, his hard hit rate is a career low. You know, overall this year in the entire entirety of 2021, his hard hit rate is a career low by 5.4 percentage points. And after never having an average exit velocity below 86 miles per hour, his average exit velocity this year uh, is 82.9 miles per hour. And out of 187 batters with 150 batted ball events. Simmons ranks 186th in average exit velocity. That's second to last. And uh, also, you know, when he's uh, without contact, you know, his strikeout rate and whiff rate are also both career highs. Uh, So, you know, someone who uh, I expect a little more out of, uh, he's been, particularly underperforming on offense this year, uh, Andrew Elton Simmons. Slightly alarming. All right. So that does it for players to highlight. Uh, now we're going to look at a, a preview of the weekend ahead. Uh, I'm going to be pointing out some, you know, series to watch. Daniel's going to go day by day, uh, particularly with um, pitching matchups or particular pitchers to watch. Um it's kind of hard for this weekend. There's not, there's not any crazy uh, good series matchups to watch. Uh, I mean, there's one. There's one that you can't deny. One that you cannot deny. Uh, 
not necessarily with records, but just appeal. I mean, yeah, Astros Yankees yeah. is, you know, it, not happening in the Bronx this time. This is at uh, Minute Maid Park. But, you know, the Yankees might, uh, you know, crawl out of the hole they've kind of put themselves in in order to uh, try to defeat the Astros uh, as the Astros have been. I mean, the Astros have been very hot. It's going to be hard for the Yankees. Uh, so, yeah, Friday they got uh, – Astros got Jake Odorizzi going. Uh, Nestor Cortez is going to be starting tonight for the Yankees. I imagine it's going to be mostly a bullpen game. Uh, Saturday you have – uh, Zach Granke versus uh, Garrett Cole. So that's some, something to watch. Uh, Sunday, you have Framber Valdez versus Jamison Tyon. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be Astros-Yankees. What do you got day by day to watch? Yeah, uh, tonight is not a great day for – a great night for pitching matchups. You have a few good guys going. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is sort of uh, – he's picked it up a little bit. He's 10-4 this season, which I did not realize. Uh, he's going tonight. Taiwan Walker will be going tonight for the Mets. Um, Cole Irvin will be going for the A's. He's been pretty good. Wade Miley will be going tonight for the Reds. Uh, obviously, Nestor Cortez, Chris mentioned, he's been very good out of the bullpen. He'll probably serve as an opener. I'd say the matchup of the night, this isn't necessarily the strongest one, but uh, Charlie Morton going against Zach Thompson. That's in Braves-Marlins. Zach Thompson uh, has a 225 ERA on the season. Morton's obviously been pitching a lot, a lot better lately. Uh, so then you go into Saturday. Uh, Lucas Giolito will be going for the White Sox against the Orioles. By the way, Giolito has been struggling, a 420 ERA. Uh, expect better from him. Anthony Descalfani will be going for the Giants against the Nationals. Uh, James Caprillion will be going for the A's against the Rangers. Um, and then you have Will or, uh, Freddie Peralta going for the Brewers. You have a pretty good matchup again in Braves Marlins with Max Freed going against Trevor Rogers. You have Chris Flexen going for the Mariners, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, you also have a pretty good matchup in Rockies Padres with Herman Marquez versus Joe Musgrove. And the matchup of the day, like Chris mentioned earlier, Garrett Cole versus Zach Greinke. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Two former teammates, obviously. And then you get to Sunday and Aaron Nola is pitching for the Phillies. He's been very unlucky lately. Uh, Dylan Cease will be going for the White Sox. You have uh, Jose Barrios going for the Twins, trying to pick up his trade value. Framber Valdez going for the Astros, like Chris mentioned. Uh, Chris Bassett versus Colby Allard in A's Rangers will be an interesting one. Um, Kevin Gosman will be going for the Giants. Ryan Weathers will be going for the Padres. Tony Gonsolin will be going for the Dodgers. And matchup of the day uh, comes from Reds and Brewers. And it is Luis Castillo versus Brandon Woodruff. So that is uh, the last bit of baseball we have before the All-Star break. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then yeah, we got, we got the All-Star break. We got the Home Run Derby, which is going to be very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So that does it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. And we hope you enjoyed this one. And we hope to see you on 
uh, probably Monday, Monday evening, uh, most likely, uh, where we're going to be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball. We're probably going to be uh, in person. Um, yeah. I'll probably tell you why later. But uh, yeah, we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>